0: Welcome to the Editing Lawyer Podcast. I'm Benjamin Scott Wright, an attorney in Wisconsin, and I'm talking to other lawyers and professionals about writing, editing, and publishing. This week, I'm talking to Morgan Morissette Wright, an attorney at Fastcase and the publisher of Full Court Press. She's doing the hard work behind Fastcase's new push to publish secondary content, and it's paying off. In less than a year, Full Court Press has added more than 400 books to its catalog, and there's lots more coming. If you're interested in what FastCase is doing with full-court press and secondary content, you'll enjoy this episode. Now on to my conversation with Morgan. Morgan, thanks for talking with me. Who are you and what do you do?
1: So my name is Morgan Morissette-Wright. I work at at FastCase as a product manager. Um, So when I started at FastCase, I was working as a reference attorney, and then we needed someone to help more on the editorial side. So I started work, working with our um, primary law. So mainly statutes, regulations, updating those. Um, it's something I still do, but in addition to that, last year we started our own publishing imprint, which is called Full Court Press. So we're adding more and more um, secondary materials, both licensing them, but then also publishing books ourselves. Um, so the first thing we published last year was RAIL, which is a journal about artificial intelligence and robotics and the law. And, um, since that time we're trying to acquire more and more books, um, from other companies and update them and then publishing original works as well.
0: Yeah. We'll have to talk about all of that. Uh, before we get into that though, what did you do before fast case? Well, kind of what's the story of how you got into your role at fast case and, and ultimately, you know, being a publisher with full court press
1: um some happenstance so <laughs> i went straight through from from law school actually to fast case and i went straight from undergraduate to law school without taking a break so um but i did have a little bit of experience with some publishing things in undergraduate um, i worked at some newspapers um magazines i was editor in chief of my student newspaper um i studied journalism and philosophy and when i interviewed with ed at fast case for the reference attorney position Um, he was also the editor in chief of his newspaper. Um, we talked about that a little bit and he also really, really liked the font on my resume. (laughs) I don't know if that had (laughs) anything to do with me getting the job, but, um, if you know our our CEO, Ed Walters, he really appreciates a good font. So maybe it has something to do with it. Um, but it's been a lot of fun because I naturally am very detail oriented. I feel like a lot of people say they're detail oriented, but Mm -hmm. I can get really nitpicky and sometimes I have to hold myself back and have more of a managerial stance as a publisher than as a, a copy editor. But I've always really liked copy editing and every office that i worked in, I have copy edited in some respect for the whole office. So, yeah. so it's, it's something that I like for some reason I enjoy doing.
0: Uh, what was the font?
1: God, I don't even remember. It was something kind of weird. It was pretty modern. I think it was like copper plate or something. I probably would never use now. <laughs> I, <don't know.
0: laughs> I was, I I uh, um, was going to ask you later, but I might as well ask you now. What's your What's your favorite font? Well, might as well get off on that rabbit trail right away.
1: I don't. It kind of depends on the the medium, I guess. I mean, I really like Georgia, which mm-hmm. is pretty a pretty basic answer. I tend to like fonts with serifs more. Um, just especially for books obviously mm-hmm. um so we're actually we're working on a new version of Fastcase, case um our legal research platform and one major thing design wise that looks different is we're using serifs for the cases because it's just so much easier to read and you know make a case full screen and it's just much easier on the eyes so i i, I appreciate like the very simple fonts with serifs i guess
0: so back to your journalism and i guess philosophy background too you know what Oh, what sparked your interest in in that in undergrad?
1: Well, I've always um, really liked writing and I've, you know, I've, my career hasn't been very long like for for like a real job after college and law school. Like I've had a lot of internships and things like that. Um, But I've always just really liked writing. So did writing on the newspaper, I've done philosophy writing, I've done legal writing, and these are all like very different types of writing. And then there's like more like essay writing um, mm-hmm. and all of this sort of as you know, if you've ever taken like philosophy class versus, versus like a law class, um, one is like trying to be convoluted and one is trying to be simple. But um, oh, newspaper is writing rich. is actually, yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I feel like philosophy is much more convoluted, at least the way they try to teach you how to do legal writing. It's like, get to the point. Um, but mm-hmm. legal writing and newspaper writing are very similar in that you like put all the important stuff you know at the top and it's like very structured in a way. I mean legal writing is probably the most structured but um, it was kind of difficult for me to to be good at legal writing because I kind of like you know having some creativity in there Um, and I found legal writing at least when I took the class in in law school to be a little bit constraining and frustrating because I felt like sometimes a little bit deviating from the structure would actually lead to a better result Um, but maybe that was just my program, which I'll yeah. try not to name on the on the podcast.
0: Do you feel like I, I'm just curious? Do you feel like you lost some of your creative writing mojo during that first year of law school when you're reading all those cases and in that structured program?
1: Um, I kind—I think at the time I kind of did feel like that. Um, you know, it's weird. I. I I feel like, like I said, it's not always the most persuasive way to write, but it is for people that aren't very skilled in writing, it's like an easy way to be like, follow this formula, and then this will be compelling. But I feel like you can make it even more compelling if you're willing to break the rules every once in a while. Um, and the fact that there wasn't a lot of room for that, I found a bit frustrating, because I could see like, for instance, in law school, I did mostly criminal stuff, like I interned with a capital Defender, et cetera. And I took a class where I wrote a paper about like how you could use various literary, um, I don't know, the word to say it, uh, strategies, I guess, in a courtroom to tell a compelling story um, in like a criminal trial, for instance. And I referenced all sorts of things, like I don't even remember it all, but like I know I talked about Murakami a little bit, and um, I just felt like there was so much more room for creativity and in uh, storytelling both as a litigator and you know speaking in court and also in writing and this is something we as humans find like incredibly compelling um is a good storyteller and i could see um in virginia some of the best criminal defense attorneys were just the best storytellers i think most people can agree on that that practice in that field so um i was kind of a little bit frustrated that the way that they taught legal writing and and taught um, courtroom skills kind of didn't appreciate that as maybe as much as it should you know what i mean
0: Definitely. Your title is publisher of full court press in addition to uh, a product manager. Uh, What does that mean exactly? What do you do with full court press?
1: So um, I helped start it up with our COO, Steve Eric, um, who's formerly worked at a lot of the other legal publishers. And he also has his own um, kind of side project um, called 12 Tables Press, where he publishes a lot of biographies, legal biographies and things like that. Um, so he really knows a lot about the industry and he helped us immensely with his contacts, um, getting things set up. So um, we had friends of his who helped warehouse our books at Carolina Academic Press. Um, we had friends of his that helped us with freelance editing work, freelance design work, and everyone he's recommended for us to work with has been um, wonderful. So it's been really uh, great to work with him and learn about something that I've always been interested in, like I'm a pretty big book nerd and I like, you know, the design of books and the feel of them and I love going to bookstores and I was kind of the only other person in the office like that. Um, Steve is also like that. He also owns a bookstore. (laughs) So Steve was like, "Aha, Morgan will help me with this, um, setting up our secondary materials Um, because it's a big hole in Fastcase that we, um, well, it was that we didn't have a critical mass of secondary materials. So um, I set it up with Steve, and the first thing we got out was rail. We got that out the door right away. And then um, slowly, we've been working on acquiring more books from other publishers and updating them. So a lot of what I do, um, besides maintenance of all sorts of other things on Fastcase, is organizational, like making sure, you know, we have the publication agreements sent out to all the authors that we want to work with, um, keeping track of all the deadlines, um, making sure we have a liaison between like the designer, um, the editors, keeping the authors happy, um, helping them discuss ideas. We give our authors like a pretty good range of do what you want to do because our approach has kind of been, we'll find expert authors that are usually also published writers already and let them have a dream project because they're the experts. And this isn't a giant company Um, it's a very it's going to operate more like an independent smaller um, publisher basically so we trust them to create work that's compelling and we'll of course like talk through with them ideas and all sorts of things we can do with the books and different medias or whatever they want to discuss but ultimately we just find good authors and trust them to make something that's acceptable and help them edit it and help them create a great product. Um, And we want them to be happy with it. Like so many of our authors that we've signed said, oh, someone else has published us in the past. And I just like really hated the book cover. And they're like so mad about the book cover. I'm like, don't worry, (laughs) Like, we can take care of the book cover. Like this is gonna, we're gonna give you you extra special attention because this is a, a smaller operation. You have my number, you can always call me. Half the time I'm the one that's, you know, hemming and hauling over the book cover, like me and our CEO are the ones that are deciding what the book cover is gonna be. It's not like you're gonna get lost in a chain where no one's gonna to listen to you, you know? So um, I do actually do a little bit of design stuff too. So like I designed the logo for Full Court Press. Press. Um, we asked some other folks to do it and we went back and forth for a long time and we just like weren't happy with a lot of the designs and eventually me and another um, gentleman who used to work with us, but he actually went into practice just um, within like four hours came up with something and Ed really liked it and then it was done. So <laughs> every once in a while I also do design things. Um, we I worked with Ed on the cover of Rail and um, we have a few digital books under Full Court Press that are uh, insurance books um, written by Barry Zalma. I designed the covers for those. So it kind of just depends, but I, I do like doing some graphic design stuff too. Even though I don't have a ton of experience in it, I have taken a few classes that I ma- mainly just like fiddling around with it myself, even if I don't have some mm-hmm. of the technical knowledge, usually I can make it look um, pretty okay, just with some um, more amateurish tools, I guess. So, of course, we also have a professional designer we work with. So sometimes I can show her like, oh, I made this, can you make it better? <laughs> Basically. So yeah, I love doing that stuff, even though it's a little bit distracting sometimes.
0: D- does Full Court Press have kind of a, a mission or goal that you're striving towards, like, what's the big picture with full court press?
1: I mean, we do want to be different. So we're, we're making print while a lot of other people are shying away from print. And we want a lot of accessibility for our books. So we're never going to bundle, you know, our books such that um, if you want them, you have to buy case or something like that. Um, we want to make beautiful looking books. Um, everyone here, at least me and Ed and Steve, or we're pretty nerdy about making sure the books look right and feel good and are something of quality. Um, we wanna have a lot of fun and feel like the customers feel taken care of. So like, for instance, with rail, we wanted to do something um, kind of whimsical, I guess. I don't know if you're familiar with the green bag um Mm -hmm. journal which they they kind of like have little items that they give away with stuff and it's kind of like an insider thing so ed was a really big fan of that so um he wanted to do something like that so what we did for uh when we launched the the rail journal is in all the new subscriptions we put a flyer in that if you um, filled it out and sent it back to our office you would get a free raspberry pi which is like a little um single board computer that you can use for all sorts of things. Um, it started as a nonprofit to te- teach computer science in developing countries because they're you know, relatively inexpensive. Um, but we thought it was just something that people that were interested in the journal would really like. But the thing we didn't do is tell anyone about it. We just like put them in there when people got the journal and were like, hey, I can get a free computer <laughs> and send it back. So mm-hmm. um, little things like that. We want it to be special. We don't want to feel like our customers are just a number to us, or something. We want to um, just be different, I guess, when it comes to publishing.
0: So, what would you? I mean, what do you see your position and role in the legal broader legal publishing industry as right now, and then what are you hoping it to be in, in the future?
1: Well, the first thing we needed to do was have just have books, right? Because Saski started. In 1999, um, as a primary law research database, and it was started because the founders, um, Ed Walters and Silver Rosenthal were working at a big firm, um, Covington, and they had a client who said, "You absolutely cannot use Westlaw and Lexis," and they're kind of beating their head against the wall because the client was upset that they didn't want the the fees passed on to them in their own fees. So there wasn't really a good alternative just for open access to the law. Um, so for a really long time. The main focus of the company was just having good, really fast access to cases and statutes and regulations, things like that. And then it got to a point where you know we're trying to compete with some of the bigger companies um, to be a replacement legal research service. It's not just that we want to supplement. Um, you know, if they have Westlaw or Lexis, we want to be like, hey, you have everything you need. So a big roadblocker um, we found was. Say, oh we can't switch because we need these secondary materials so the first thing we needed to do is just have enough secondary materials so that we can say hey we have secondary materials (laughs) Um, so now that we're you know able to compete in that area as well um, i think the goal is just to have things that are at least when i've been picking out projects and i know steve also have things that are practical that you can have on your desk flip through, find exactly what you need. And it's not like, you know, a huge book that you can't, that's academic but is is difficult um, from a practical point of view. So we're picking out a lot of things that are really good for small and solo, small and, uh, solo attorneys because they're a big part um, of our customer base because we have deals with uh, state bar associations so mm-hmm. that like all the members of the bar will have um, access for free. So we have that with 30 different states so we have a huge member of a uh, huge amount of our customer base are small and solo attorneys that use it through um, the bar Association. So we want to have something for them. Um, and a lot of those are younger attorneys, maybe. So like I'm working on a deal for um, a California Criminal Motions guidebook that just goes through and says, um, "Here are all the different things motions are called in California, because there's a lot of lingo. Um, Here's an example of a case, and I'm going to go through and explain. This is what this motion means. This is what this motion means. You know, very like simple guidebook, like a crash course. Um, mm-hmm. We're working on a book about California real estate deals. Same kind of thing. Um, it's a professor that's writing it. They've seen that a lot of attorneys come into law school, and I'm sure you're familiar with this problem because <laughs> everyone complains about it. You come out of law school and you you know how to pass the bar exam, but you don't know anything about being a lawyer. So we're having a lot of books that are more like okay, you passed the bar exam. How do you do things now? <laughs> so um, you know, just good guidebooks um, where you can just quickly look something up either on your computer or in print and just have it. Um, yeah. That's you know the other the other thing. So the other main thing that makes us a bit different is we're going to offer things across different mediums. So if you sign up for Rail, for instance, um, on Fastcase, you also get free Print. It's not like print or digital. You get both because it actually, in, in practically, doesn't cost that much to print a lot of things. So we want to give people the option because um, some people, depending on the book, would rather have one or the other, and we just want to make everyone happy. So that's kind of the kind of the goal. Practical guides mostly, or um, the other thing is books that we know are really good books, or for whatever reason, are not being updated anymore. And uh, we want to buy books from places where they're not updating them anymore and bring them back to life because we know they're a quality title. So that's kind of been the two strands so far.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. So you must you must be looking a little bit at, for instance, most state bars have their own uh, materials that they publish kind of on, along the lines of what you described in terms of, you know, like a state criminal motion guidebook or, or something like that. Do you, Do you look at those state bars? Have you tried working with state bars? How do you think about your position when you're trying to create content like that um, versus, you know, the other players that might already be there in that state? And I guess, you know, is that is it really even a competition is what's your opinion? Do you think there's still a lot of material that hasn't been covered that still needs to be published?
1: So it's really important. We've um, we have many state bar partners. Um, As I said, we have 30 at this point and the number has only grown over the years um and it's really important to us that we aren't competing with our state bar partners we want to work with them um as much as possible and not get in sort of a back and forth about Mm -hmm. um taking away their their customers so um we do publish uh state bar books on fast case right now we have arizona um, missouri new york we're working on adding um North Carolina, there's always like a pipeline of new ones to add in Um, and there's a couple others that we're adding. So that's one thing. Um, Where the state bars are great publishers of books, we want to license their books, put them on fast case, we already have the audience for them built in. Um, We're also finding that some state bars need help publishing their books um, in a cost-effective way. So we're also working with state bars to just Help them publish, not so much license, but actually take over and publish them for them. And I guess finding titles that just aren't directly competitive, or sometimes we'll we'll have a book and we'll say, "Oh, this is a this looks like a fantastic book that we'd like to publish, but we're worried about it competing with a bar association." So we'll actually offer it to the bar association first to see if they want it. Um, we did that with the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Um, yeah, that has been a big big consideration because these are some of our best friends in the industry. They've helped us so much. And the last thing we want to do is, is become a competitor with them. Um, so we have to be very mindful of that, you know, every step of the way. So.
0: Yeah. Do you find it a challenge to come up with potential ideas for new, new products for full court press, new secondary material, or is it kind of a pretty wide world out there?
1: I mean, at this point, no. Um, just because we just started this year, so basically we're trying to cover the waterfront, um, have all different types of subject matter to make sure that for if any customer calls us, um, we can say, "Oh, you want to buy Fast Case? That's great." We also have this other book, which is in an area you practice. We think it'll be really useful for you. Um, so it's it's we're in the process now of building up that library. Um, like just today we announced some Carolina academic press books that we're licensing which are all about criminal law and there's some evidence stuff um, which has been a little bit of a gap for us so we just didn't have even though we have so many attorneys that use fast case that are um, like criminal defense attorneys for example because we have a lot of small and solo customers we just didn't have something to give them that was like you know just like a criminal procedure book so we're really trying to look at where where the gaps are Um, There's some areas that we excel a lot in um, with our own books and with licensing books, and then some other ones where we just didn't happen to have enough (laughs) for that subject matter yet. So at this point in the game, um, we're getting to the point that we're hitting every um, subject matter, but for the last year, we've just been scooping things up that we, as long as we know that the, the author is a good author. And especially if they've been published before and they're a respected expert in the field, we've just been scooping it up because we need to hit all of those different practice areas.
0: Yeah. So when you mean, when you say a good author, can you explain that a little bit? What are you looking for?
1: Um, So if they've been published before, that makes a big difference for us. Um, If they have a lot of connections in the field, um, if they're just generally uh, you know, we we know they're well respected in the field, and if maybe they work at a big firm. I mean, the number one thing we really look at is how much they've published before, um, because then we know oh this is this is someone who has very good writing skills, and uh, in addition to you know their expert knowledge. Um, so I, I guess that's a very broad answer, um, but mm-hmm. experts is what we're looking for. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Um that's kind of kind of in the goal. Um, we purchased some books from ALM, for instance. there's been, you know, many editions of them and then they haven't been updated for a while and we purchased the rights and now we're publishing a new edition, for instance. Um, and just trying to keep the books going when they're we, you know they've been a, a quality title for a long time and the authors want to update them and maybe seeing if we can if we sell them in a different medium or in a different way. Um, bring them back to to glory if they weren't selling as well before, things like that. So, yeah, we're getting to the point where we're going to be a little bit more, um, I guess, picky about what direction we're going in. But first, we have to make sure we have something to offer everyone who's researching on FAST case who just needs like a basic guide on criminal procedure. We want to make sure we have something that's quality for them to look at.
0: Yeah. Is it hard to um cover all the all the states all those smaller states and jurisdictions uh you know my own my own state is Wisconsin which is a pretty small legal market and so i don't mm-hmm. even you know it is fast case is full court press going to be publishing anything you know for a Wisconsin criminal defense lawyer anytime soon
1: i think there is when more of the bar association relationships come in um, for the smaller mm-hmm. states if they're interested in having their books online. And we're definitely starting with the larger states first, just as a practical Mm -hmm. matter. But um, I would imagine we're gonna try to to cover more and more states as we go on. But in the meantime, having those Bar Association books really helps. Like we have a lot of Missouri books that a lot of people subscribe to just because we have that partnership with the Missouri Bar and they publish the books and we put them online. Um, But we're starting out with, you know, the big legal states, um, California, New York, Texas, Florida those are always the ones that we sort of start with for pilot projects and things like that, because um, first of all, they produce a lot of case law and um, there's a lot of customers there. So yeah, I mean, we're starting with certain States, but um, also scooping up a lot of like generally applicable books or national titles, I guess I'd say.
0: So a little while ago, I think you mentioned kind of the goal here is, you know, fast case needs a critical mass. I think you said, of secondary materials. Do you think you've got that yet? Do you think you're close to having that critical mass? Um, Where do you think you're at on that timeline? I think
1: we're we're very close. Um, In terms of what we've acquired and the licensing deals we have in the pipeline, Like we're there. It's just a matter of onboarding all those titles and making sure people know them and know how to find them. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we have a new uh, version of Fastcase. It'll be coming out soon and we want to make sure that it's easy to like surface these materials um, within the application, Um, make sure people know we have them. But just speaking as of today, um, we have on the site today over 400 books. So I think a lot of people don't realize that Um, some of the reason why they might not realize is some of these are like bar specific books, right? So if they're not practicing in like Arizona, they might not necessarily know or know to look for like Arizona books um but we're also just adding huge collections um from our licensing deals so like next month we also plan on um launching another 90 books uh, across a a wide array of subject matter Um, we have walters kluwer and aspen cch books across a wide array of subject um, matter already those are online today we have um, littler littler mendelson the big employment law firm we have their publications, um, which I, I think is like 70 something. So, you know, I think people, because we've grown so fast um, when it comes to the secondary materials, I think a lot of our customers don't even realize that we have hundreds of books online already. And by this time next year, who knows? Like, I, it wouldn't be, um, you know, crazy to see that we have at least a 1,000. Um, given how many deals I know are in the pipeline and the fact that we're always adding new things, um, just new content in general at Fastcase, we're adding something new, primary or secondary, at least once a week or yeah. something close to that. Um, and a lot of that depends on our business deals and things, but there's always yeah. something new that's being added and something to, to <laughs> expand into. Um, so yeah, there's, we're getting there. There's a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's, that's quite a lot. What can can you tell me, um, you know, you're scooping up a lot of the secondary content. Uh, do you have a sense of, you know, why bigger companies like Walters Kluwer or Littler, why they are choosing to license their content to Fastcase? Is it, uh, you know, is it purely just a licensing deal or do they have other motivations for uh, trusting Fastcase with that content?
1: Uh, Well, it depends on the different partners. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, with Littler, we have a very long-standing uh, relationship with Littler. We've helped them with a lot of special projects. Um, For a long time, before we even sold the Littler books to the public, um, I helped onboard their books just for Littler attorneys, and they had like their own um, little, I guess, gateway they could get through to read the Littler books on the Littler network et cetera, and they had that for probably like a year before we sold them to the public. So they trusted us um, when it came to publishing them, and they trusted us based on a lot of the other business deals that we've done with them. Um, Walters Kluwer, um, I think Walters Kluwer knows that we have a good relationship with um, a lot of small and solo attorneys, and that's really who they wanted to market these books to. So they leaned on us to kind of help more with that side of the market. Um, So I guess it just depends on um, who we're licensing the books from. But in the end, like there's not a lot to lose. I mean, we have a huge Mm. amount of users and it's growing and growing and growing. Um, We keep adding more and more users to Fastcase every day. Um, it's, It's growing incredibly rapidly. So not even just like adding new bar associations. Every time we add a new bar association that adds the potential for a huge amount of users, because every attorney in the state gets it for free if it's, a volu- if it's a mandatory bar association. But even if it's a voluntary bar association, they want to get the most out of their dues, and they'll check it out. Um, and at the same time, we're also expanding into new markets. Like we are, um, we have more and more jail and prison uh, contracts now because hmm. the inmates need access to legal research, and we're expanding into that area, you know, very rapidly. And they also want secondary materials. Um, Things like the Carolina Academic Press books we added today, which are like criminal law, criminal procedure, basic evidence, um, basic legal research books, so that an inmate can learn about legal research. Um, Those customers also really care about secondary materials. So I think the fact that we're adding more and more users every day, and a lot of our users are sometimes not people that other book publishers can necessarily reach, um, I think it makes it really appealing for people to want to sell their books on FastCase.
0: So what, what is coming in the future then? What do you see in the pipeline for full court press? Can you tell us about more journals like RAIL or more sure. secondary content that's, that um, is coming soon?
1: Yeah, so um, our next really exciting journal project is with the American Immigration Lawyers Association, which I've mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, we're great friends with them, um, they l- work right down the street from us and we've always had a really good relationship with them working on all sorts of projects. Um, we added some special primary law libraries for them relevant to immigration um, attorneys and uh, we just really wanted to have our second project be with a bar association and uh, it makes it obvious to be with a specialty bar association because it's kind of like a built in subject matter. and given the political climate and how quickly the law is changing in immigration law, it just seems like the perfect opportunity. Um, So that's the one we have in the pipeline right now. Um, We're working on picking out the board of editors, things like that. Um, Not exactly sure on the launch date yet, but we're getting pretty close to start uh, working on that first issue. And we want it to be something that, you know, at the same time can be uh, academic and practical. We're um, trying to hit that sweet spot between something that can be cited in the Supreme Court, but also can be useful to someone, you know, in their office or just have a wide variety of different different topics. So that's, that's the next one um, we're really excited about. We think a lot of people will be very interested in it and uh, just got to keep the machine churning now. At this point, rail pretty much runs itself. Um, we have a brilliant uh, editor-in-chief, um, Stephen Meyerowitz, who does a great job keeping the trains running on time and things like that. And uh, so it's it's time to take that same model and, and move into a new journal.
0: That sounds exciting. I think um, Ed had said uh, sometime previously, Ed Walters, uh, I think he had said that, you know, one, one of the things FastCase can do potentially is understand based on searches users make on FastCase, what areas of law are hot, what, uh, mm-hmm. What people, what what is it that people are really interested? What do they want to know? Has that mm-hmm. uh, has that kind of data played into any of your decision making with full court press so far?
1: Not so far. I think just because we're in that beginning phase, mm-hmm. as I said, but I mean, we have a huge amount of of uh, data at our disposal to determine um, all sorts of things, like how we use it in the fast case application itself, like how to make our relevancy algorithm work. We use things like how many times a case has been, you know, printed out to try to <laughs> see if it should be higher on the list or something like that. So I can definitely see it expanding into um, changing our decisions on on what pe- people really need um, instead of just kind of haphazarding, haphazarding a guess or something like that. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I think we'll definitely leverage
0: that data in the future. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really valuable, like a really great way to uh, I'll bet a ton of state bar associations would love to have that kind of uh, data on on developing their own products too. That's just a a really valuable thing to have.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Hmm.
0: So what is, where do you see full court press specifically in say five years?
1: it's hard to even say I mean I haven't even (laughs) been with I haven't even been in this uh particular role with corporate press um I guess it's been about a year Mm -hmm. um
0: well we can say two years I hope we have yeah
1: (laughs) I hope we have a library of both beautiful you know I guess I would call them serious treatises that are leather bound and look awesome and people can put up on their bookshelves and things like that across a lot of different subjects and I hope we also have a lot of trade and soft cover books, all sorts of things. Um, Not even necessarily, I guess, like hard legal books or something you would use as a guide, but um, even more like social criticism books. Like we have a book on gender in the law that we're gonna to publish, which is more of a trade title. I just want there to be like a large library of a very diverse um, types of books, not just, you know, practice area, but just different types of things, journals, Um, trade books, treatises, and more practical guides. So there's something that we have that we can sell to anyone. Um, And also that can, you know, so we can be thought leaders on things like uh, robotics and AI. It's been a lot of fun. We've met a lot of people by publishing that journal. There's been excitement about it from places like all over the world um, that are just really interested in the topic. And because we Kind of saw it coming that this was going to be or was already becoming um, a topic that many law firms and libraries are super interested in um i guess now if you go to like any legal tech trade show or you know like the law librarian at double show like everywhere you look it this is like blockchain ai like every single vendor is obsessed with this stuff and we were able to put out a journal like ahead of the curve on that topic And that's been really rewarding because we have, I feel like everything we're doing now, we're just like a step ahead. And I hope that Fulcourt Press can continue that with our projects that we're just like a little bit ahead of the zeitgeist, I guess.
0: Well, we'll look forward and and see, uh, to see if that happens. It's very exciting to hear everything that you're working on. Um, I'd like to, end with just a, a few uh very personal questions like what's uh okay. do you have a, like a favorite app or or tool or something like that for for writing when you actually sit down and write
1: Gosh, i know a lot of people use like grammarly and things like that now but i i have to say i just usually use <laughs> like a word document and i read things over millions of times and reword things slightly millions of times. I guess I just do it the old-fashioned way. Um, if, I was, if I was gonna like write an article or something, I would almost always like hand write um, an outline with very little specifics in it, just like the structure that I think things should go in. And then I'll start actually writing in Word. And if I think of something new or there's like a source I wanna use in like a certain part, I'll write that down to go in that part, um, or like pull a quote out to go in that part. But I won't like elaborate at all. I'll just like know in my head this is the structure things need to go in, and then I'll like fill in the blanks. So I guess that's always been the way that I've worked when it comes to most types of writing projects. I like wanna know the roadmap of where I'm going so it flows right first, because I think it's really hard to start writing if you don't know, I'm gonna say this and this and this in this order which is going to lead to this conclusion. Like that's the way my brain works. I kind of have to write it down. I can't like have that floating around really. And usually I think for a really long time before I start writing. So it'll look like procrastinating, but (laughs) I'm really just kind of mulling through ideas. When I was in school, I would just do like tons and tons of research, just like a little bit each day um, for like a month. And then like the week the paper was was due, I'd start writing. But I find it so much easier to start writing when you've kind of subconsciously and mulling over ideas and then when you go to write it
0: it all comes out yeah yeah I, I, I think that too and that's kind of what I was getting at is more of the uh, how do you get into the right headspace where you you get that writing out for like a lot of people have a particular environment or or particular you know app or something like that that they like to use and, yeah. the, and other people have things like handwriting and outline and all that sort of thing so that, that's great uh, do you have yeah. oh, Well, I should ask What is your favorite book?
1: Hmm. I've like flipped back and forth on this a lot, but I really, ever since I was little, I really liked Through the Looking Glass, which is the second Lewis Carroll book. Um, I guess I'm going to say three. (laughs) That's okay. So that's the one I liked a lot as a kid. My aunt gave me a really nice edition. It was leather bound. It had all the original illustrations and everything. Um, And I don't know, there's something about it because there's so many like little, logic jokes in it and things like that. And um, like the nonsense a- aspect of it, I just thought it was hilarious and I still kind of do. So that was my favorite book for a really long time. And in terms of like a fantasy and science fiction book, I really love Dune um, by Frank Herbert. Uh, I, I love how complete the world is. And I don't know if anyone's ever been as good at world building as he is. Cause there's like the religion, the politics, the environment, all that stuff has its own glossary. Um, I wrote a paper about it in college, about religion and empire for one of my favorite professors, who's also one of the hardest professors. And I felt quite accomplished when I got 100% on it. I think that's the best paper I've ever written. Um, So that's another favorite. And then the third one I'll say is The Secret History by Donna Tartt. I just really love that book. I didn't like her new one, The Goldfinch at all. (laughs) But The Secret History, I think it's because I went to a small liberal arts college, which is very similar. To the school she writes about um, in the book, and it's just something about the tone. And it's just something about tarts writing in general. I love, like, she could write the phone book mm. or something, and it would be, it would be completely brilliant. Like, she can just make inanimate objects so interesting, and it just has this amazing mood to it. Like, I, I'm usually really into books that have like a certain mood. Like, I don't really care where the plot goes at all. I just want this mood (laughs) so that's why I really like um, Ruki Murakami also because it's like all his books are kind of the same and they go nowhere but it just has this certain mood that it puts you into that feels kind of magical and I think Secret History is a great example of that
0: yeah okay last two questions and these are very important Oxford comma yes or no
1: definitely yes Uh, Ed is also pro Oxford comma
0: (laughs) (laughs) and two spaces or one
1: Uh, I would say one yeah, i always correcting this. But, I mean, my biggest pet peeve is when it's not consistent. So,
0: <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. but, of course.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Morgan, thank you for the great conversation. Uh, if anybody's listening to this podcast and wants to find out more about you or Full Court Press, uh, where should they go?
1: Um, so you can shoot me an email. It's mright, W-R-I-G-H-T, spelled the same way as the host of this podcast, at fastcase.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at morgan underscore m right or morgan underscore m underscore right Um, I mainly just post about case stuff but I'm trying to be a little more entertaining making some effort (laughs) to do that Um, but probably the best way to reach me is email Um, if you have a book project you're interested in pursuing or you want to contribute to one of our journals Um, Also, as, as I've said many times, this is a relatively small office, so if you just reach out to the customer support team, they can also put you in touch with me.
0: That's great. Thank you so much.